Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Good morning, y'all. And it's so good to see all you today. Um, Listen, before we get into today's message, I just want to report to you that Jen and the baby are uh, at home. They're doing awesome as a family. We are uh, trying to find our new rhythm with a newborn baby as uh, two older parents, right? Uh, Anyways, trying to find uh, that rhythm. So I'll just say this, that if a bunch of, of, uh, you know, eating, crying, pooping, sleeping is signs of greatness, man, we're on our way to raise a champion. This is awesome. So... (laughs) Anyways, but listen, on that note, I do want to, on a serious note, express uh, our gratitude to all you guys. I I honestly don't think there's been another time in our lives uh, where we have felt so loved and so blessed uh, by the body of Christ as we have over the past few months. And so I just want to say thank you, a big thank you uh, to all of you guys. It's an honor to uh, serve you and to serve your families, and we love you greatly. And I pray blessings over your lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, listen, I want to shift gears. I have, truthfully, uh, probably more message than I have time today, so we're just going to uh, dive in, and we're going to trust the Holy Ghost to do what He does. And, uh, and so I actually want to just maybe set the tone for the next couple of weeks, and, uh, and by doing so, I just want to read a verse out of Malachi. Let me set this up, and then we'll pray. It says this in Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, The Lord of heaven's army says, But For you who fear my name, that the Son of Righteousness, that's Jesus, will rise with healing in his wings. Can somebody say healings this morning? Listen, uh, and I love what it says. It says, and you, talking about you who are healed, will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Listen, the reason I read that this morning is because at the beginning of the year, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and he simply said this. He said that this year is a year of healing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of been weird because I haven't felt released really to this moment to start addressing some things. But, but uh, you know, what was interesting when he said that, he we said this is year of healing. He didn't necessarily preference, uh, you know, a preface kind of what kind of healing would take place. But if the Hebrew word that's found in this scripture when it says healing is in his wings, it simply means this, that this is going to be a year of health, a year of deliverance, a year of a sound mind, a year of wholeness, a year of healing or cure of diseases. And then I like the last part, that it actually this word healing refers to the type of healing that reverses uh, of any injury or any damage that has taken place in our lives physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually. How many know that's good stuff? Amen. Amen. So listen, I just want to say this morning as we dive into whatever the next few months have, uh, man, that you would just stir your faith, stretch your faith, and just actually believe that maybe God wants to do something so dramatic in your life that if you'll let him, that he's going to release a joy and a freedom in your life that maybe you've never experienced to this point in your life. Right? The reality is, is we could go one by one. Every single person in this room, including myself, needs healing in some way. Right, And so if we can just believe for it, I just believe that God's going to bring that joy and that freedom. And that will resemble, as weird as it may sound, uh, a young calf that has been let loose in a pasture. I guess that's what you get when you got a pastor from Alabama, right? Anyways, let's pray. 
Father, we thank you, God, that this is a year of healing. And Lord, I believe today, God, that it begins today in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare today that there's healing in your wings. And Father, that we are coming up underneath the shadow of your wings, God, to receive from heaven. So Lord, I thank you for the authority that you've given us. I thank you for the anointing and the presence that's here. Father, I pray that we would stir our hearts today and we'd have faith and believe, God, that you want to do something dramatic in our lives. And so we just give you full permission to do only what you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, I want to begin today by actually sharing a message uh, that, that simply will get us rolling on this journey of healing. And so I want to start by simply asking you this, is this, is that this morning, I'm kind of curious, have you ever had a possession that was so valuable to you, but when other people saw it, they acted like it was meaningless? Like, have you ever had something that was so special to you, but other people acted like it was just plain old ordinary and not that big of a deal? In fact, if I could take this another, another step is this, is have you ever had something that you really had to sacrifice for? I, I mean, it cost you a lot. And someone came along and they treated it with absolutely zero respect. Come on, wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about today. A few of us. That's awesome. The rest of you need some teenagers. All right. So the, the question is for us that raised our hands is, man, how did that make you feel? When there's something that you valued and you treasured and somebody treated it with really no respect, did it make you feel good inside or did it make you want to get in the flesh? Come on, talk to me, church. Listen, as silly as this may sound, this is really petty, but there is something that, uh, that I personally have that I treat as valuable, and, and it's my vehicle, okay? Now, here's what's funny is, is I'll admit, it's nothing fancy. It's, a, it's one of those low-base models, but it's mine. And, and the best part is this, it's paid for. Come on, somebody. So, so listen, one of the ways that I demonstrate this value to me, it's not by washing it. It's not by vacuuming it out because I don't do those things. When you got kids, you, you just can't. But anyways, so, so, but, it, but, I, but I actually uh, demonstrate its value by this, by where I park it. And what I mean by that is you can ask my wife, you can ask my kids. It doesn't matter if it's 95 degrees outside. It doesn't matter if it's 10 below. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's sunny outside, if it's pouring down rain like it is today. I'm going to park on the back 40 of wherever we go because how many of you know people don't know how to control that door when they open it? Yes? So, listen, the messed up thing is, is I have done that since the day I bought that thing, and it has magically come up with dents. Do y'all know how discouraging it is literally to come out of a store and know that you've got to walk a country mile to get to your car, and when you get there, somebody parked right beside you? Yeah, anyways, so listen, actually, about a year and a half ago, I was in a meeting uh, down at Moody's Diner, and I was sitting in there eating, and while I was eating, an elderly lady, sweet elderly lady, decided to run into my car, and I was parked in the last parking spot that was out there. So listen, in my younger years, uh, I would have wanted to act like uh, my uncle. I got this uncle who, who was in the Marines a long time ago. He serves Jesus now, so he's better. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he, was, he was home on leave, and he had this brand-new sports car. And, uh, and he and one of my, it was either my aunt or my mom went with him. I can't remember, but they were at a store, and somebody opened the car door and put a ding in his brand-new sports car. And so my uncle responded uh, by, by taking his key and riding it down the entire side of that person's car. And it happened on another time, and he decided to, uh, that it would be best if he kicked out the person's headlights and taillights to let them know, hey, you don't bang my car. My, you know, listen, that's crazy, right? My thought was, is what if somebody else pulled in? The person that hit it left, and then somebody else pulled in. Anyways. <laughs> all right, so I say all that to say this is, <laughs> I've just wondered that for years. Anyways, uh, <laughs> 
I, I kind of say all that and say this. Did, did you know that, that God actually has something that's really valuable and special to him too? Watch this. L listen, in fact, more times than we can count, God has found himself in a very uh, similar situation as we have. Where the thing that he values the most, people treat as meaningless, not a big deal, ordinary, insignificant, unimportant. In fact, they sometimes don't like it and even treat it with little or no respect. Right, look, but the big difference between us and God is this, is we can sit back and gripe all day long about how hard we work for something, how much we sacrifice to get the thing that we valued, but at the end of the day, man, it doesn't even compare to the price that our God paid for what he values most. I'm making sense. See, the Bible says this, that he values his prized possession so much that he left heaven and he died for it. Folks, that's how much he values his prized possession, Right? So, listen, if you're sitting here today and you're going, man, you know, what, what, who is, you know, it's prized possession. Who does he value more than anything? If you can, just turn to your neighbor today and say, it's you and it's me. L listen, the reason I'm saying this today is because I've been recognizing some things that are not only in my own heart, but, but it's like the Lord's been allowing me to see things that people do and things that people say. And I'm like, man, there's some things that he wants to address in us today. If we're going to get to where he wants us to go. Amen? So, so listen, remember in our culture, we determine value and the worth of something by the amount for which it can be exchanged. In other words, if I come and I said, you know, uh, you know hey, Bruce, I'll give you $20 for that shirt. And he says, hey, that's a great deal. He takes off his shirt in front of all you, and he, and, he, and, he, and he gives to him, and I give him 20 bucks, and that somehow determined the value uh, of what was exchanged. Am I making sense? And so if we can today, just here at the top, we can remember that Jesus exchanged his life for ours, which means that the price that Jesus paid on the cross ultimately determines the value of the people he purchased. And I, I hope that sinks deep this morning, that we would understand that the price that Jesus paid on the cross determines our value. So with that in mind, let me just ask you today, how much do you think today that the blood of the perfect Son of God actually cost? Right? Then that should tell you how valuable you are in his eyes. Y'all please hear me today. Right? So listen, don't miss this. Don't miss what I'm about to say, okay? Please, if you miss what I'm about to say, you're going to miss everything we're going to talk about. Um, as, a, as a pastor, I cannot tell you how often I run into people who are all bent out of shape uh, because someone in their life uh, basically doesn't treat them like they are something special. In other words, that, you know, there's somebody in their life, if it's their mom, it's their dad, if it's their uh, a friend, if it's, it's whoever, okay, that they treat them as worthless, they treat them as meaningless and ordinary and not just as big a deal, and they're all tore up about it. And listen, I'm not going to uh, deny that's, that's hurtful stuff, right? Like that's hard to choke down. But, but I want you to know today that, that I don't feel like that's what God wants to address. In other words, today it's not about how people view you. Today is really about this. It's about how you view yourself. That that's what he wants to address, that, that he is more concerned today with how you view and how you speak about yourself beyond anything else in this moment. So, so listen, with that said, let me ask you how, do you, how do you view yourself today? So I'm being clear. L listen, so I'm being clear because I know we're at church. So often we get with people and they come through those doors and they act like they got it all together, and that's a bunch of crap. Yeah? So, so listen, like, how do you really feel about yourself when it's just you and your thoughts? 
right? Not, not the show you put on, not the performance you give everybody else. But, but I'm just asking you today, man, do you see yourself as one who is highly valued? Or do you see yourself as someone who's unimportant, meaningless, ordinary, average, mediocre, right? And not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Am I talking to you about today? So let me put it another way. Do, do you have the tendency to see yourself through a lens called shortcomings? Like through a lens of insecurities. We all got them, don't we? Listen, do you see yourself through past failures? And I feel like I need to say today, I don't know why, that you continue to see yourself through a, through a failed marriage. Listen, that, or do you see yourself through a mistake? And, and I want you to know today that the dangerous part about all this is when we start to view ourselves in this way, through those lenses, right, that we will begin to give permission to all those negative thoughts to not only define us, but they will ultimately begin to shape our future. Right, And it's there, listen, that this, truly there's this inescapable truth that our internal perception of ourself will always shape our external life. Yes, that every one of us will either rise or fall to either these three things. How we perceive ourselves, how we think other people perceive us, and most importantly, how we think God perceives us. And I want to say today that I'm not so sure if there's people in the room today, including myself in a lot of ways, really see ourselves the way God sees us. In other words, we, we, we have uh, twisted, we have a small view, we'll leave it that way, of, the, of how he sees us in comparison to what it really is. Yeah? See, this is why the Bible clearly says this. And I say this verse a lot, but Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man or a woman thinks in his or her heart, what, about those three things we just mentioned, so is he. And that's why I believe that the number one thing that God wants to come and heal or reshape is our identity. Because it's intricately connected to what? To our value in Him. In fact, I'll say this. Uh, if you want to see healing in any area of your life, then it's very important that you understand your value because that's where all the healing really flows from. Yeah. Amen? So for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to give you a biblical example of someone who uh, basically was living from a position of where they didn't see themselves as value, and when they encountered Jesus, Jesus began to reshape the way they thought about themselves, and their lives bore great fruit afterwards. So let's dive in in Luke chapter 5. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. says this, says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, talking about Jesus, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is our biblical example today. It's that fella. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we, talking about him and his brother Andrew, have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. It says, So they signaled to their partners, that's John and James, in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Here's our key verse, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That speaks to how he viewed himself, right? So if we can settle in here for a moment, when Simon actually said, and I've said this to you before, but when he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, what was he really saying? 
See, the word sinful there actually means this. It means more than just I've messed up a time or two in my life. Rather, it actually means this. It means to be devoted, to be loyal, to be committed, and to be faithful to sin. Yep. So, listen, with that said, have you ever wondered why not just Simon, but people in general are so devoted to their sin? If I could take that a step further, and if I could maybe land it more personal in our own laps, men, have we ever wondered why we, like Simon, choose to live below the divine standard that God has set for us? Would we all admit that we do it? Yes. And listen, today is not about some quote-unquote sin. I'm just trying to show you something. Here's why I believe that happens is I believe that when we don't know our value, we will unknowingly devalue our lives by living well below His calling and His view for us. In essence, we become less because we think of ourselves less. As less, right? We think of ourselves as less. So the point I want to make is this, is I honestly believe that Simon was saying more than just, man, get away from me, Jesus, because I love my sin. I, I actually believe that he was speaking more, uh, more than about his actions. I think he was speaking about how he saw himself. And here's why I say that, because the name Simon actually means this. It means broken reed. Y'all please catch this. See, when we, break that, when we break that down, we actually discover that broken actually means, and I'm going to talk about some of our lives here, reduced to fragments. Not functioning or operating properly or divided into parts violently. Listen, unfortunately, that describes a lot of our past. Yeah? So listen, what is a reed? This is important. Reed means the straight stalk of a plant and grass. Wow, profound, right? But, but listen, what may, this may seem unique, but what's the characteristics of a reed? A reed is this. A reed is something that is weak, it's flimsy, it's unreliable, and it's easily broken. So in essence, Simon was telling Jesus this. He's saying, don't you understand that my heart is divided, Jesus? Right? Like I may look like I have it all together on the outside, but I'm not functioning like I should be. Right? My life is broken to pieces. In fact, I'm just a fragment of who I should be. And more importantly, I'm weak and I'm unreliable, so I can't be of any value. So Jesus, why don't you just depart from me because I'm nothing like you? Listen, for some reason, I feel like that defines a lot of us in this room of how we really feel. Like when we pull off the mask and we go, hey, this is how I really feel about myself, that's a pretty good definition. Can I get an oh yeah? Now watch this. How do you think Jesus responded to this confession? Did he, did he slam him? <laughs> like did he devalue him anymore? It's like in my head I'm going, man, did Jesus go, you know what? Wow, man, you're really devoted to your sin and just degraded him even more. Did he tell him how much he was disappointed in him? Did, did he tell Simon, I'm sorry, man, you're a waste of time? Did he apologize, say, oh, my gosh, I must have supposed to gotten that boat and not your boat? Right? Did, did he tell him, man, you, you're, you're not good enough? He didn't do any of that. Instead, what he did, he did the exact opposite of what Simon expected and what a lot of us expect. He did this. Look at Luke chapter 5, picking up the story in verse 10. It says, and Jesus, in response, said to Simon, do not be afraid. Right? From now on. Can somebody say, from now on? From now on. Man, that's what healing does. It changes a moment. It's like, man, it opens up a door for me. From now on, you will catch men. Listen, what I think he's saying is understand this, is, but, 
But, but basically he's saying this, but you need to know, Peter, that, or Simon, that in me you will be a soul winner from now on, that you're going to be a leader of men, that you're going to be a preacher of righteousness. From now on, you're going to be an apostle who walks in my authority. From now on, you're going to heal the sick. From now on, you're going to do miracles of my name. You're going to be just more because that's your destiny. Right? If I can maybe say it another way, and I think this will hit home more. It says like this, saying, Simon, I know you are like many of my children. You know all too well what's wrong with you, but I'm here to tell you what's right with you. Simon, you have let a negative self-image make you completely unaware of the greatness that I placed inside of you. Simon, I know all you see right now is your dirt, but I'm here to tell you I see gold. I know you see junk, but I see a valued son. Right? I know you see a messed up life, but I see a life worth dying for. Simon, I know you see someone who is unreliable, but I see a divine purpose. And I want you to know I see who you can be. Like, put your name in there. Right? Listen, I think, it's my opinion, I think we have something in common with Simon. Yeah? And it's this, is that it's the distance, once again, between who we currently are and who we're called to be. doesn't matter if you're 15 years older in here or if you're 85 years old in here. Man, there's a distance between who we are currently called to be or who we currently are and who we're called to be. And I want you to know that Jesus desires to come and help you today to do what? To overcome that distance between your perceived value, right, and the God-given value, which is determined not by your past, but by the shed blood of Jesus. Amen? Aren't you glad that that's what determines our value? Amen? Amen? Man. So let me just ask you this. Have you ever wondered how... Uh, Jesus could look at someone like Simon and like us, man, a bunch of broken reeds, and say, uh, man, don't let all that stuff define you because this over here, this is your destiny. Like, how can you do that? Right? And I think it's because these verses, and they're well known, but I think sometimes we, we, uh, we don't believe the well-known verses. We can quote them, but we don't believe them. Right? Psalm 139, verse 16. This is how he can say it. He says, your eyes, talking about God's eyes, saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you understand? He's already written the book, right? And so many of us, unfortunately, uh, we think the book is written, and it's just full of a bunch of negative things. Please break yourself off of that, out of that, right? Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. For I, God knows, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, Jesus could speak to a brighter future to Simon, and he can speak one to us. Why? Because he knows all the days of our lives. Right? He knows. I remember that's a. Yeah. Awkward moment right there in my head. But listen, he knows who he's called us to be. Listen, before those things in life hurt us, before all those things in life caused us to be broken, before all those things in our life caused us to start second-guessing ourselves. He knows who he's called us to be. Amen? Listen, he knows the incredible seed that the Father has planted in us that gives us the ability to be transformed to the image of his Son. Like, he knows the, what, the calling and the anointing that the Holy Spirit's put in our lives. He knows. That's why he can walk to the doorstep of our lives, and he can actually call the greatness out in us. Amen? All right, so let's shift gears, because I believe we're going to have a, a true understanding of what's happening with, with uh, you know, Simon this moment. We need to rewind. We need to go back to the first time Simon actually met Jesus. It says this in John chapter 1. Hopefully, I'm communicating this 
well enough. So let me set this up. In John chapter 1, we have uh, basically Simon's brother Andrew and John, okay? They, these guys are, um, you know, before they were disciples of Jesus, they were disciples with John the Baptist. They're walking down the road with John the Baptist, and, and John the Baptist recognizes Jesus, and he declares, Behold, the Son of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And at that moment, we see a transition in Andrew and John's life, basically where they leave John the Baptist and they go to follow Jesus. But it says this when, when that happened. It says the first thing, read in verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought uh, Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, broken reed, son of John, but from now on you will be called, and he gave him the name Peter. See, as I'm sure most of us are aware, the name Peter means a rock. Now, where it gets even more interesting is when we begin to look at the characteristics, just like we look at the characteristics of a reed, when we actually look at the characteristics of a rock, which are this. A rock is something that's solid, it's strong, it's stable, and it's not easily moved or broken. In other words, it's the complete opposite of who we are without Jesus in our lives. Yes, listen, it's in this moment that I can see Jesus actually saying to Simon in this exchanging of a name. They literally says, Simon, I know that when you look at yourself, all you see is a broken reed. But from this day forward, I want you to know that I see, much, I see you much different than you see yourself. Because from this day forward, I choose to see you and to speak to you in accordance to my divine purpose for your life. So on this day, I call you into alignment with my design. This is happening for you today in Jesus' name. Call you into alignment with my design, my plan, my destiny, my standard for your life. Come on, is there anyone in here besides me that's thankful that God sees us different than we see ourselves? Yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord, right? And so I just think this, man, if we can just go, man, God, thank you that you actually see the value in me when I don't see the value in myself. Amen? All right, so before we, before we land this, I want to throw a few things at you because I want to help set some people free. Because I, I think in, in our minds sometimes we go, okay, I get saved and then everything's going to be perfect. Right? Like I'm just going to nail it every time. Right? And, and the reality is, man, stop. It's like, man, do, do we actually think that after what happened in John chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 5, that Simon Peter got everything right, that he never messed up again, that he never made a mistake, that he never lived below the standard or did anything pitiful again. No or yes? No, he no, absolutely not, right? So truthfully, and this is what I want you to grab, he acted like Simon Peter. Listen, sometimes he acted like Simon, a broken reed, and in other moments he acted like Peter, a stable, not easily moved rock. Sometimes he was unreliable, and other times, man, he was solid and 100% reliable, right? And I want you to know that it's actually in these Simon Peter moments, these up and down roller coaster ride moments of his life, that we actually learned a lot about the heart of God for us, right? So let's look at a few of those moments quickly. Uh, let's start by looking at some Simon moments. And, and we see this in Mark 14. Uh, Jesus is about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. We know he's in anguish of his soul uh, because he's about to go to the cross. What does he do? He looks at his 12 disciples. Well, at that point, it was, uh, yeah, he looks at 12 disciples. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take John. I'm going to take James. And, oh, yeah, Peter, you, Simon Peter, you come with me, right? We're, I need you guys for prayer support. Are you all with me? This says in Mark 14, he says this. It says, then he came and he found them sleeping. Thanks, guys. Watch this. And he said to Peter, the one who's called to be the rock. What did he call him? Simon. 
broken reed, why are you sleeping? In other words, why are you acting like a broken reed when I've called you to be a rock? Have you forgotten who you are? There's a reason I chose you to come with me, right? And he says, could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not watch and pray, right? Could you not watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation? That was a Simon moment. Let's look at another one. Fast forward in the story, Luke 22, verse 31, 32. says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. In other words, broken reed, broken reed. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you because I believe in you. Right? That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, after you come to your senses, man, be the rock that I've called you to be. Watch this. Two verses later, though, in verse 44, uh, 34, it says, Then he, talking about Jesus, said, I tell you, Peter, right? I tell you, the rock, I'm reminding you of your destiny, right? That the rooster, this is huge, don't miss this, that the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. That's a Simon moment, right? Listen, the Bible goes on to say this, that Jesus was arrested and that Peter acted like a Simon and he followed the mob that arrested Jesus from a distance, right? And and listen, as Jesus stood, this is huge, before a guy named Caiaphas, who was the high priest, uh, that Simon Peter found himself getting comfortable by a fire, right? And while he was sitting by the fire, he actually denied Jesus twice and on the third time to a young servant girl, right? And when the servant girl uh, basically said, basically, I'm sure you're one of them, he actually cussed and said, look, I don't know the man. And the Bible says that the rooster crowed, right? And and the the Simon, the broken reed man at that moment realized that he was weak and he was unreliable once again. And the Bible says that he wept. Right? Now listen, can you imagine the disappointment that he must have had in his heart after Jesus had done everything that he had already done for him? Right? But, But how many of you know that, and I say that to say this to you, how many of you guys know that God is a God of multiple second chances? Right? Like, thank God for that. Right? So watch this, because the Bible goes on to tell us in the next few chapters and on into the book of Acts that this confused, broken reed slash solid rock fella named Simon Peter, he got saved, right? He breathed, right? The Bible says he breathed on him, right? He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he stood up and he preached to 3,000 people and they got, or preached to a multitude 3,000 people got saved. And then it goes on and it says this, and this is what I want to get to, that him and John one day were We're going up to the temple in Acts chapter 3. And and as they went, there was a guy there that was asking for change, right? Asking for alms, right? And and we know that what happened, it simply says that um, the guy was asking for a change. And and Peter and John said, what, silver and gold I have none, but what I give you, I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be healed, right? So, boom, the guy was healed, right? So what what did that incredible... uh, courage, that incredible preaching, that incredible miracle, where all did that land him? Landed him in prison, right? So, so and this is what I think is so neat here. Y'all, please hear this, because when it lands him in prison, this is, this is not only where Simon Peter gets his second chance of all second chances, but it's where he actually, in my opinion, steps into his God-given identity as a rock. I want to show it to you. We'll throw it up on the screen, but it says this in Acts chapter 4. says this verse 5. It says, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Anias the high priest, and who's the next guy? Come on, who's the next guy? Caiaphas, right? You're like, I don't know how to say that guy's name. 
I'm not about to holler the wrong thing. Caiaphas. All right, watch this. So, so who, who, did, who was Jesus standing before when he denied him? Caiaphas. Denied him three times in the rooster crowed, right? And it simply says this. It says uh, that John and Alexander and as many as were in the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, John and Peter, when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? How many of you guys know that's a great opportunity to deny Jesus again? A little bit more pressure this time. It's not a servant girl. I am literally standing in front of, this guy's standing in front of the leadership, right, of their nation, right? And it simply says this, that he says, then Peter, then Peter. Notice it doesn't say then John. John had his moment. The Bible says that John's the only one that didn't deny Jesus. All the rest of them did. So in my head, I can kind of see Peter at this moment. John, you had your opportunity. You succeeded. I failed last time. Now it's my turn. Give me another chance, please. Or y'all hear me. And then it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, right, of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Get that, whom you crucified, you sap suckers, right? <laughs> And it says, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by whom you builders, which has come the chief cornerstone. Watch this. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I love these last two verses. It says, now when they saw the boldness, the boldness, not the flimsiness, not the weakness, right? But the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now watch this. Let me land this. Here's the coolest part about all of this, in my opinion. Do you know what the name Caiaphas actually means? It, it means this. It means that the rooster is crowing again. What an incredible opportunity that here it is that, guess what? Here's a man that didn't know his value, didn't know his worth, lived as such, Jesus touched him. He had an encounter with God. Because anytime there's an encounter with God, something has to change. There's always an upgrade in your identity. Right? And he responded and he began to walk out who God called him to be. And in that, God gave him a second chance to redeem himself from all the other blunders. To finally bury the broken reed guy. To actually step into being the rot that God called him to be. Am I making any sense? See, I just think this. That when you and I find our value, man, we can find courage. And when we find our value, like Peter, we can find our voice. Like when we find our value, man, there's joy and there's freedom that's there. When we can find our value, man, that's where our identity is. And then when we find our value, guess what, guys? All the healing that we need comes a whole lot easier. Amen? Amen. Let me see how we want to end this. Yeah, let me end with a statement. I think this, and this is why I want to begin to, I'll just shoot straight with you. We're family. Um, I recognize how far I've come in Jesus. At least I think I do. Um, I know who I was 
before I was saved, okay? Meaning, uh, I, I, I was a, uh, a kid that had zero confidence, that was loaded with insecurities, uh, you know, just, man, root of rejection all over me. I was angry. I was depressed. I mean, all, all these things, man. It's like nothing of who you see now, right? And, and it took a long time for Jesus to begin to unravel all that mess from my childhood, okay? And some things happened like that, and other things were a long process. And, and the thing that I, that I realized after all these years is that every uh, new season, every new step of faith, everything that I've had to do with Jesus has required a new level of healing in my heart from those things. And I realized that in my own personal life, there's some things that Jesus wants to do in me and, uh, and for those to happen, guess what? Then there needs to be some healing in my own heart. And, and what's so interesting is I'm recognizing that that needs to be done to me. And, and uh, it's funny because um, I've been looking around lately and I've been seeing how much it needs to happen in a lot of us. That it's maybe not just me that's on this journey, right? And, and so I, all I'm saying is this, is man, that maybe in Jesus' name, that we can begin to see our value and our worth because I believe God has something greater for us. Yes, as a church body, yes, but, but us as individuals as well. And we're never going to get there unless we begin to have a revelation of how valuable we are to Jesus. Amen? That today that there could actually be a, a beginning of a divine exchange in a new way, a new level of just, man, the way we view ourselves as that broken reed and we begin to actually see ourselves as rocks and pillars in the kingdom of God. I'm making sense to y'all? Because I think this, until we come in alignment with those things, remember, we're never going to complete our destiny, right? If we can just understand that, there's a lot on the line. Let me even say it like this, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this. Um, think about when Peter, okay, finally became the guy that God called him to be. Look at, look at how many people he touched, how many people's lives were changed. And so it, this just came to me, maybe poor analogy. But if you can understand, it's almost like this. Uh, if you take a hand grenade and it sits there, well, it's just going to sit there. And it's got loads and loads and loads of power and potential in it. But, man, you got to pull the pin and toss that joker before it really, you know, completes what it was made for. And I just think today, man, that maybe Jesus wants to pull the pin, <laughs> in our lives because there's a lot more power and potential in us than what we realize, right? And he's wanting to sling us in the direction and it's not just so we can be better, that's part of it, yes, so we can be whole, but because guess what? There's a lot of collateral damage that can be done to the kingdom of darkness if we get slung in the direction God wants us to be in, amen? In other words, you can touch a lot of people's lives. So, so I'll just say this, um, if you're a parent here, imagine, imagine the change that could happen in your kid's life if you actually begin to live as one who is whole. Y'all look at me. Okay, I got, I got seven minutes. Y'all look at me. <laughs> is this. Let, like, let's be honest, okay? Um, so there's, uh, you know, we all have different pasts, okay? But I'll just pinpoint on this one thing. Some of you guys in this room have, have had the privilege to have incredible parents. As some of us have had good parents, but we've had very broken parents. And we have been damaged by those parents, right? So please, please, whatever you do, don't fool yourself in thinking that that cannot happen to your kids as well. 
there's a lot of there's a lot at stake. Okay. That that guess what? If we get healed, man, our kids will never have to go through it. In Jesus' name, right? Amen. Amen. I know this isn't flashy, but it could be powerful if we let it be. Amen. All right, you stand to your feet. I just want to pray for you. Listen, I want to do something today, and it's not necessarily because I feel some strong anointing for it, but, I, but sometimes when you get with Jesus, there's just some step, steps of faith. Preach it, sister. There, there's, some, there's some steps of faith that have to be taken on our part. Right? Am I, am I making sense? In other words, there's sometimes there's acknowledgement that Jesus is talking, and, and I just need to respond. So I'm going to pray, and, and what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to say the altars are open, and the altars are open simply for this. It, it's for you to come do business with Jesus, for you to come and to give your heart. And I realize you could easily say, but well, I'll do it in my chair. No, 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 that's fine if, if, you want to, if you want to do that. But I feel like there's something about when we come to an altar that's a greater step of faith because it gets us out of our comfort zone. And it says, Lord, I, I want to lay down all those parts of me. Once again, that feels like a broken reed because I'm asking you to transform me and change me so I can be the rock that you've called me to be. Some of you guys have dreams of being that rock. I'm trying to tell you, today may be the first step in the right direction. Amen? Yeah, from now on, I declare it in Jesus' name. Okay? Y'all that are in here that need hope for your situation, today's a great day to start. Amen? Father, I thank you, God, for every person that's here. Lord, like we pray at the top, I do not believe that they're here by accident. I'll shoot straight with you on that. I started not even to preach this this morning. I started to preach something completely different. But Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that it brings life and it brings hope. And Lord, we're just simply saying today, God, that we give you permission to begin to reshape us. God, in the same way that you have reshaped, God, my thoughts, the same way that you have reshaped my words, same way that you have reshaped my emotions, same way that you have reshaped, uh, God, my attitude and my behavior. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you begin to reshape, God, everything inside of every one of us that needs to be reshaped in Jesus' name. God, we pray today for a divine exchange. So, Holy Spirit, will you meet us here in this moment with power, with power, with power, with power. God, would you bring healing, God, healing, God, in the depths of our being. Father, I don't care what's been said. Lord, we break those words today. God, and we receive your word in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.